the game is over and you want more. When the news breaks and you want more. When you wake up and you want more. It's highlights, it's breakdowns, it's analysis, it's opinion, it's curbside reaction. Your next day post-game podcast and it starts now. Well, hello everybody. I'm Chris Kerber and welcome into Curbside Reaction. Your next day post-game podcast featuring everything St. Louis Blues. And normally on the podcast, we open up with some sound from one of the players, whether the team wins or loses. We go to the highlights. We get you some post-game breakdown from Joe Vitale, which, by the way, we do have on this edition of the podcast for you, and also some other opinion and reaction. But after the Blues fell to the Detroit Red Wings last night by a score of 6-4 to four, and handing the Blues their fourth consecutive loss, about an hour after the game, Blues general manager and president of hockey operations, Doug Armstrong, let Craig Berube go, relieved him of his head coaching duties, essentially fired him as head coach of the St. Louis Blues, and in the process, named Drew Bannister as the interim head coach. Drew Bannister coming up from the Springfield Thunderbirds in the American Hockey League. First, let's talk Craig Berube. He took over the 2018-19 team after Mike Yo started at 7-9-3. His first game was on November 21st of 2018, a 4-1 loss at Nashville, and the team was at the 16-19-4 mark on January 5th after a 4-3 loss to the New York Islanders. So in the first 20 games under Craig Berube, the St. Louis Blues went 9-10-1 in that 18-19 season. But from January 7th on, that famous 3-0 win in Philadelphia when Jordan Bennington got the shutout, the Blues went on a tear. They went 29-9-5 in the remaining 43 games and, of course, went on to win the first-ever Stanley Cup championship in St. Louis Blues history. That season was followed up with another great year of 42-19-10, 94 points, and the Blues were first overall in the Western Conference when the COVID season was paused. Unfortunately, when things started back up in the bubble, a lot of things were different, and the Blues were eliminated in the first round of those playoffs, actually the qualifying round to the Vancouver Canucks. But again, the following year, the 56-game shortened season in 2021, he was seven games over 500 at 27, 20, and 9. And then in the 2022 season, one win shy of 50 wins, 49, 22, and 11. And they ended up in that second-round loss to Colorado after Jordan Bennington was hit by Nazem Kadri. Now, last season, the Blues fell to one game under 500 at 37, 38, and 7. Doug Armstrong talked of now being about a team in transition as he moved on from the likes of O'Reilly, Barbashev, Tarasenko, and some key pieces of that were remaining from that Stanley Cup championship run. And this season, the Blues started off solidly, but end up falling to 13, 14, and 1 now after the first 28 games. And Doug Armstrong decided to make the change. So Craig Berube finishes his tenure as St. Louis Blues head coach with 382 games coached, a record of 206, 132, and 44. He was the third head coach to reach 200 wins for the Blues. Only Quenville and Hitch had more. He was the third Blues coach all-time in terms of games coached. Again, only Quenville and Ken Hitchcock had more. And his 24 playoff wins were the third most in team history behind Quenville's 34 and Scotty Bowman's 26. But again, Craig Berube was the only one to bring a Stanley Cup championship to the St. Louis Blues. So Craig Berube becomes the third head coach fired this season in the National Hockey League. He's going to be missed. I got to tell you, he was a fantastic coach to work with, to be around, to talk to, 
The respect that he had for everybody in the organization was second to none to any coach I've ever worked with and been around. And Craig Berube will be missed, but it is a brutal business. And unfortunately, wins are the name of the game. And Doug Armstrong decided to make the move. So where do the Blues turn to? Well, the Blues now turn to Drew Bannister. Here's a little background on Drew Bannister for those that may not know. He's 49 years old was originally drafted by the Tampa Bay Lightning in 1992. He was a second-round pick, 26th overall. So if you look at it in today's terms, that would be a basically a first-round pick with as many teams are in the NHL today. He's played for Tampa, Edmonton, Anaheim, and the New York Rangers, had 164 NHL games in his career, five goals, 25 assists, 30 points. He had an 18-year pro career because from 2002 to 2012, he played in Europe, except for the 2009-2010 season when he spent that year back in the American Hockey League in Binghamton. So over his 18-year pro career as a player, Drew Bannister played in the National Hockey League, the American Hockey League the International Hockey League. He played in Sweden, Russia, Germany, and also in England. Also as a junior player, he represented Team Canada at the 1994 World Juniors. But his coaching career began in the 2012-2015 season. He spent three years as an assistant coach with Owen Sound in the OHL, was then promoted to head coach with the Sioux Greyhounds in the OHL, and was their head coach from 2015 to 2018, and he made the playoffs all three years. Now, they lost in the second round each of the first two years, but he made it to the finals and lost in the finals in the third year. He began his pro coaching career in 2018 to 2020 as head coach of San Antonio, where he was there for two years, coached 137 games, and had a record of 55-63-19. They were out of the playoffs in year one. Year two was the COVID year, and the American Hockey League didn't have playoffs. So during that following season with COVID still wreaking havoc, he was the associate head coach in Utica. And again, the St. Louis Blues were affiliated with San Antonio during those years that he was the head coach. So in the 2021 to 2024 seasons, counting this year, He's been the head coach of the Springfield Thunderbirds. That's two full years plus this year. He's had a record of 93-58-19 and 19 in 170 games coached over those two-plus seasons. They lost in the American Hockey League Finals back in the 21-22 seasons. They lost in the qualifying round last year. And then this season, prior to him just getting the job as interim head coach, Drew Bannister had a record of 12-8-2 for the Thunderbirds. They were fourth in the Atlantic Division, just three points out of third place. And they had a goal differential of plus 11. They've scored 70 goals. They've allowed 59. But remember, I told you that Drew Bannister has known this St. Louis organization for quite a while now. As the Blues were affiliated with San Antonio when he was the head coach. So when he was the head coach of San Antonio for the 18-19 and the 19-20 season, he coached Jordan Cairo, Clem Costin, Chris Butler, Sammy Blay, Mackenzie McEachern, Jake Wallman, Nico Mikola, Chris Thorburn, Zach Sanford, Joel Hofer played a game for him that year. Jordan Bennington played 16 games for him in that 18-19 season. Nathan Walker and Alexei Toropchenko also played for him. Then when he was with Utica, Tyler Tucker was one of his players. Nikita Alexandrov, Joel Hofer played 10 games for him. Hugh McGing was one of his players. And then, of course, he took over in Springfield when the Blues moved their affiliation there as well. So Drew Bannister comes up to the National Hockey League. It will be his first stint as a head coach in the NHL, but he comes knowing 
this St. Louis organization very well. There's a press conference scheduled for today at 1030 out at Centene Community Ice Center, and we'll have an updated podcast for you on curbside reaction after sound from Doug Armstrong and reaction from some of the players to the head coaching change. Now, how did the game last night eventually turn the tide that led to these incidents? Well, Joe Vitale, after the game, broke the game down. The Blues fell to the Detroit Red Wings by a score of 6-4. to four. They had three different one-goal leads in the game, couldn't hold them, and they lost their first game of the season, number one when scoring first and number two when having the lead after two periods of play. But after the game, Joe Vitale and I went through everything from soup to nuts. It was a very direct, a very blunt, and a very fair assessment of what was being seen from the press box in terms of what was going on on the ice. And it lays the onus squarely at the skates of the players in the locker room. Here's the breakdown from last night's game. Joe, this one's a tough one. Let, let's start a little big picture here. You score four goals. Blues have been pretty good when they get three or more. Right now, they are just having a real dog of a time keeping the puck out of the back of the net. As a matter of fact, in the first 14 games of the season, they allowed a total of 36 goals against. And that's when you're really excited about what could happen this year. It looks like a defensive team, a team that might have to win close games, but you're doing fine. And now in the last 14 games, the Blues have allowed 58 goals. So 36 goals against in the first 14, 58 in the last 14. Yeah, I tell you what, it's been it's been tough. Yeah, I think defensively right now it, it sticks out like a sore thumb where there's a lot of times and there's a lot of things that happen positively and, and negatively and areas you got to correct, areas you're encouraged by. Defensive zone speaking, at times you've had a Blues team where they're not in the right spot. A lot last year was the, the net was wide open. The grade A chances they allowed last year was, was too much. It was the main area of correction heading into the offseason. I think the Blues did that. I think you look at the defensive scheme and structure, everything's to the middle, don't run out of position. And I think tonight, I'm going to say it, I think they actually had a really good structure in the defensive zone. How can that be? You allowed six goals, five with the empty netter, six being the, the empty netter, five goals. But I think structurally they were actually great. They were in the right spot. But then comes another layer beneath the structure which is just the desperation to defend hard, and it's just an attitude. You know, Craig, or excuse me, Doug Armstrong's talked about you can make an excuse at times for not having offensive numbers, but there's never excuse for not defending hard because defending is simply just attitude. It's just it's just the passion, and it's just the characteristic inside you to want to keep the puck out of the net. We had bodies in the right position. There were Blues numbers there. You know, on the first goal, you know, Pareko's there. On a couple other ones, you know, Krug's there. They're in good spots. There was one goal there in the second period. There was five Blues bodies around, but no one got underneath the stick of Mo Sider. That's the one I was talking about. Rebound right in front, Mo Sider's right there, and just a bang. So I think it's just the, the structure, and then it's the attitude. They're the two pillars of good defense. The structure was there, Kurz, but just it wasn't enough. Just nasty attitude to get underneath sticks here tonight, and it hurt them. It hurt them really bad. Steve Ott in his postgame interview with us mentioned he liked the start of the first. He liked the start of the second. What we're not hearing coaches say is, I like the finish of the first. I like the finish of the second. The, the momentum of a game changes. Craig Berube early in the season talked about, do you have the mental toughness to manage through those? And we're not seeing consistent management of those moments during the game. You know, I think that to me, Curbs, the main reason is that this is a team – 
and personnel transition still. I mean, you hate to make it an excuse, but you lost some big-time leaders this past offseason at the trade deadline last year, and I think it's just going to take a little bit more time for some of the younger players to grow into that veteran presence, but also it's going to be some of these veteran players that, quite frankly, that have just spent their whole careers being quiet. I think it's time for some of them to become maybe a little bit more vocal and bring in something just a little bit extra because right now this team just needs it. I had a great conversation with David Perron, the former Blue here, and he's one of those veteran players that brings it every single day, brings the energy, brings the the enthusiasm to the game, just the passion you need to play with, the competitiveness. You know, you lose Perron, you lose O'Reilly, you don't have Barbashev. Hell, even, even Vladimir Tarasenko. You know, I know he wasn't a vocal guy, but he was a guy that played with a lot of passion and grit, and he wanted that puck on a stick at the end of the game. And I think right now you lose so many veteran pieces, and, and this is a team right now searching for, I think, veteran leadership. You know, you can't lose four games in a row like the Blues have with a veteran presence on the bench that says enough is enough. Let's go out there and grab this game. It's just it hasn't been there. You know, you lose another veteran huge piece in Robert Bortuzzo, you know, a few days ago, and he ends up not being a part of this moving forward as well. So this is going to be a major gut check time for a lot of players from a mental, emotional standpoint of who's going to start really trying to grab this thing and steering it in the right direction because to a man, I guarantee you that, that feel in the locker room right now is it's a sobering feeling where everyone's probably feeling sorry for themselves and searching for answers. But at the end of the day, there's enough presence in that room to realize that the answers are within them. When you go back and you even go back a little bit further and you think of Gunnarsson and Bo Meester and Steen, who you lose to the, you lose to injuries, their, their careers are over. And then you have the other moves of obviously you just mentioned Perron and then O'Reilly Schwartz leaves Schwartz via too, free yeah, agency, Petrangelo via free agency. The, you didn't just lose a lot of good hockey players. You, you lost a lot of good hockey character mm-hmm. in, in that process as well. And some of that was shown in that final play with the empty net shorthanded goal where you clearly have possession of the puck. And, and in this case, yes, you are going to have a young player still going through some growing pains. But the Blues need either more numbers around that puck or they need better decision-making and better movement of that puck by a player they just signed to an eight-year contract in, in Jordan Cairo. And that's not dumping a whole game on one young 25-year-old player. There's growing pains, but you've got to start to see some progress. And that play, Joe, if you break it down for us, really exemplified with two extra men on the ice losing a one-on-one puck battle. Exactly. I mean, it, this was a situation where it's a six-on-four situation. The Blues win the faceoff as they should. The puck goes to Jordan Cairo. He's kind of hanging on right around the Detroit Red Wings bench. It looks like the puck's bobbling a little bit, so he has to turn to shield it as Valino's coming hard. I didn't expect the Detroit Red Wings to come that hard. you got to credit Valino. I think he kind of jumped Cairo. I think as a player, when you're a six-on-four, definitely a six-on-five, certainly a six-on-four, you're not expecting pressure. You're expecting them to stay tight. Valino just kind of darted right at him, put a lot of pressure on him, and I think he hesitated there a little bit. He ended up turning his back to the player, turning his back to the defender, protecting the puck quite well, actually. But Valeno kind of kept going through them. And I think looking back, Jordan Cairo, if he can make that play all over again, you either have to dust it off to your left, you had a defensive option right there, or you got to dust it off into the corner where you had a forward as an option as well. And I think the young, you know, Jordan Cairo, he just, he ended up just holding on to the puck too long. And I think that he thought he had more time than he thought he did. You got to credit Valeno for jumping him the way he did. But this is your franchise player moving forward. This is your goal scorer. And if you were to ask me at the beginning of that sequence curves before the faceoff, all right, you got a six on four. 
Who do you want that puck in the hands of? I'm going to say Jordan Cairo. He's got the shot. He's got the quickness. He's the talent, and he is your face. you got to go with Jordan Cairo. So I don't think it was a personnel issue. I think Craig Bruby threw the players out there he needed to, but that is right there is just a sign of a player that just lost a one-on-one battle when he had options. He just hesitated, loses that 50-50 battle. Valina, of course, flips the puck out into the neutral zone, and then the rest of the game's over from that point on. So hopefully a learning point, hopefully a learning lesson. But I think that, you know, one thing that Craig Bruby's talked a lot about with Jordan Kyrie this year has been, you know, at times he is the best player on the ice, and you think he's Connor McDavid. And then there's some games where it's just maybe just not good enough. His one-on-one skills, moves aren't there. He's hesitating a little bit, finds himself second-guessing, thinking a little bit too much. Uh, tonight was a game where I felt that he was just second-guessing, hesitating, and, of course, that play at the very end really highlighted that. And, by the way, when you talked about a, a roster, that's still in transition. Let's not forget what Doug Armstrong said at the end of last year at the trade deadline. And measure that and keep your expectations of what really is expected this year in there. You're going to have those mistakes. Young players are going to make mistakes yeah. in the NHL. It's why the Detroit Red Wings have missed the playoffs for seven straight years. It's why the Buffalo Sabres have missed it for 12 straight years. Right, you're going to go through those growing pains until those guys become those grizzled veterans that understand the right play at the right moment. Exactly right, and it just takes time. And it's frustrating plays like this. It's frustrating nights like this, and it's it's years of not making the playoffs that you know these little plays add up to big moments, and it really is unfortunate. But I think Craig Berube, he's got his he's got his work cut out for him here as as this team enters what I'm going to call the, the biggest gut check, I think, so far the na- of the season for them, and maybe a very transitional period for them as you look back on this season as a whole. I really believe this. I think if you're mid-April, let's wrap up that game in Dallas on the road as a final regular season game, whether the Blues are in or the Blues are out. I think they're going to look back on this homestand right before the Christmas holiday. They've lost four in a row now. They're one game below 500 after just being three games above 500. And remember, they were three games above 500 curbs, and they were up 3-1 to one on the Vegas Golden Knights on home ice. I mean, that was a moment where they could have just taken off, of course, running into penalty trouble. Then they dropped the next three, and now this is the fourth. Is this going to be a point where they drop eight in a row like we saw last year, or are they going to figure out a way in the next day or two to kind of turn this thing around and make make light of this homestand and help them propel themselves forward before January 1st where they really need to start figuring out a way to get three, four, five games above 500? Well, and to that point real quick, here's a couple of nuggets for you about the next 15 games that included tonight. 11 home, four road. Only two of those 15 games are against teams that entering action today are below 500. The Blackhawks are eight games below 500. Pittsburgh came into action today, one game below. And, of course, Ottawa was right at 500. We'll see Ottawa on Thursday. Only four of those 15 games, I'm sorry, only three of those 15 games are against teams that had a negative goal differential. Tampa at minus seven, Chicago at minus 29, Carolina at minus two. Ten of those 15 games, and the reason we say ten games because you've got two games against Florida, two games against Dallas out of those 15 games. Ten of those games are against teams who have a goal differential of 10 or more, plus 10 or more, Mm -hmm. which means you're playing teams that are defending well and scoring well, and the only way you get to those kind of goal differentials is consistency in a five-on-five game, and then you add some special teams. So to your point, 
this is a much more difficult stretch of hockey than the ones the Blues just did, and they're going to have to find another level to meet that challenge. Well, and I know this is the team that Braden Shen talked to me about before the Vegas series. He said, we figure out a way to play well against heavier, bigger teams, whether it be you know, they beat the Colorado Avalanche handily in Colorado. You know, it was a tight game in Dallas. We saw them take care of the Tampa Bay Lightning and entering that one Vegas. in Vegas. And yeah, another one there in Vegas. I mean, they, they figured out a way, and if that's going to be the trend, I really hope that is the trend heading into December because you push off the Ottawa Senators, then you have Dallas, then a very tough trip there to Florida where you're facing a Tampa Bay talented team and also Florida Panthers team, coached very well, well-disciplined structure team there. So it's really not going to get much easier as then you face the post-Christmas holiday between New Year's of more Dallas, more Colorado, then you got to go to Pittsburgh, always a tough game up there. So it's not getting much easier here, and this is where I think players talk a lot about January 1st. You want to be in that four, five, six games above 500 January 1st, so you're not putting so much pressure on your starting goaltender. Right. You're not putting a lot of pressure on your star players. Maybe Jordan Cairo continues to fall into this you know, point per game, which is not great, not bad for him, kind of right in the middle, and all of a sudden you're putting a lot of pressure on him in January 1st to try to turn his year around. So you want to figure out a way to try to grab a little bit more momentum than the Blues certainly have right now heading into January 1. All right, a very honest, uh, maybe a little bit long, but a very honest breakdown there of where the team really is at here after 28 games. What do you have for the Bud Light three stars in our heart? Uh, man, oh, man. When you hey, you know what? Right Kelly Chase, in honor of Chase, I'm just going right. to keep calling it the hard hat for tonight. Number three, Kevin Hayes yeah. for the St. Louis Blues. Let's go with Robbie Fabry, the former Blue, at number two. And then you got to go with Raymond. I thought he was terrific all night. Number one star, one goal, one assist, two points for him. I'm going to go with Casper Kapanen for the work boots. Five shots on net. I thought he was a driver on that line. I thought he came out with a lot of spunk. I really enjoyed watching number 42. I really hope he starts finding some offensive numbers because, my goodness, he deserves it. He plays with just so much charisma, and he's just a great kid. And I really hope he starts finding the back of the net the way he should. All right, Joe, thank you. Well, that's the breakdown from last night's game. Again, the St. Louis Blues, after the game, decided to make a coaching change. Craig Berube is out as head coach of the St. Louis Blues. Drew Bannister will be in as the interim head coach. And Drew Bannister's first game as head coach of the St. Louis Blues will be Thursday night on home ice against the Ottawa Senators. We'll have another edition of Curbside Reaction coming your way this afternoon. Stay tuned for it. You'll have reaction and hear from Doug Armstrong. We'll hear some reaction from the players in the locker room and get some more opinion on the coaching change that took place last night about an hour after the Blues fell to the Detroit Red Wings. Thanks again for tuning in to Curbside Reaction. I'm Chris Kerber. More to come on the head coaching change of the St. Louis Blues a little bit today on the next edition of Curbside Reaction. Thanks for tuning in. And in the meantime, have a terrific day. We'll see you at the rink.